0: hello welcome to some greater podcast yeah the show with hot men who can't stop talking about giants to save their lives we we tried i think have we brought up giants in over half of our episodes so far uh it's been at least three it's been a few yeah yeah i don't want these on my head they're not doing anything i'm not monitoring myself
1: yeah, I don't know why mine are still on either.
0: <laughs>
1: I peer pressure, dude.
0: <laughs> totally forgot they were on my head. This episode is sponsored by My Will to Live. And brought to you by the letter K. It's, it's coming back. That's good. Both My Will
1: to Live and the letter K. Letter K is uh, not bad. K stands uh. for... Uh, All right. Kids. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. No. No, no. hope not. No,
0: no. (laughs) Nobody's having them. No.
1: That would be a drastic inconvenience. Yeah. To our
0: already busy
1: schedules. Not in this economical climate.
0: Uh, Especially
1: not. No. Hey.
0: We like homebrew a considerable amount and we really like yours. And if you want to share it, you should. You should send it to us at greater on Twitter or to our email address, summonGreaterPod at gmail.com. I wanna read it and then I wanna kiss you on the mouth.
1: You're getting so good at that. <laughs> so, so I've been told. And and kissing.
0: Not recently. <laughs> <laughs> Wait,
1: what? <laughs> i was i was gonna say that even before you said the kissing thing i was just gonna say you're getting good at reading the reading the thing and then and then you added in kissing so you know the only commit is the full commit this is the way (laughs) that's
0: i don't know what you're talking about anymore oh hey there's a new book out yeah We already knew that because we talked about it in the last episode.
1: Yeah, we talked about it, but it wasn't out yet. Are you
0: good, brother? Yeah, just took a real big sip. Do you need to burn No, I'm okay. Okay, you sounded like you were just holding it back, but it was just (laughs) it was just the Chud character you were playing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) get a little too into the voices sometimes. It helps. It helps having voices already going in your head when it comes time to make a D and D character. All you have to do is sit and listen for a little while and pick the one that sounds like it would match the character. That's true. What would uh,
0: what would you make a redneck? A redneck? Yeah. What's what's the redneck build? Are we talking of like what voice would I use for a redneck? No, (laughs) you just did the voice you would use for a redneck. What's the build that goes to that voice?
1: Um, I actually I think it would be hilarious. To play a half-orc artificer. Oh, yeah.
0: half-orc artificer?
1: Is it an artillerist? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An artillerist. Yeah,
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy,
1: man. You're slapping duct tape on there? Yeah, that's mended up real good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, yeah. There's a little paro at the door. Yeah, there's a pupper dog. He's not getting in. No, he wants to, but he's not. No, that character's partner would be, um, a halfling woman who is uh, an alchemist artificer. Yeah. Yeah, because she knows all the home remedies and all that, you know. Y- yes. Yeah, and Absolutely. she's a bit of a crystal mommy.
1: Mhm. Yep. Definitely a hot Cheeto girly.
0: Do those? Hold on. <laughs> is there overlap there?
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. the uh, that's the long fingernail tap on the crystal ASMR videos. <laughs> you can still see some Cheeto dust up in there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You've lost me. <laughs> uh, this is not a type of person. And the Lord goes deep. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: anyway giants right
1: yeah <laughs> big bees. <laughs> back at it again um
0: we're actually really happy that this book is out uh we, we were kind of obsessing over it the other night you impre- what were you looking at again i know i've asked you like three times today in preparation <laughs> for this episode and i'm just not retaining it
1: i was looking at the magic items man there are oh, yeah. way more than i thought there were going to be yeah in this book and it's it's great um, also, for the record, for those of you listening, we are recording this on the 18th, and I, neither of us were able to pre-order the book, so it just came out on the 15th, so that's why we have so many episodes talking about giants, and we're just now getting to the actual meat of what's yep. in the book.
0: <laughs> I mean, we've known it was coming for a long time, so it adds up.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we were, we were looking at magic items the other night, and... There are some really, really powerful ones in this book. There's a lot of artifact rarity, like legendary rarity. Some of these magic items go freaking crazy. But um, one of my favorites actually brought up to you is a ring. It's not one of the super high rarity ones. It's very rare. So in D&D Beyond to show up as purple, which is still pretty powerful, pretty rare. Mm hmm. <clears throat> but I, I love this specific magic item. It's called the ring of Amity. I love this one so much because it lends to such an interactive party experience. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. So just get right into it. When you first attune to this ring, you can touch one willing creature and form a magical bond between the two of you. While this bond lasts, Whenever you are subjected to a spell or magical effect that restores hit points, the bonded creature also receives the benefits of that spell or effect. So, it's immediately, it's just instant, um, instant payoff. Because you're getting double the healing. It's almost a must-have. Like, if you Mm -hmm. find this item anywhere in your campaigns, if your DM throws it in there, pick it up keep it it's gonna save someone's life someday Like it's just so good just for that yeah and you can every time you finish a long rest you can bond with a different creature granted you can only be bonded with one at a time but you can you can shift it around you you have full control over who has that bond
0: yeah a lot of customization options there
1: yeah um but on top of that it also has an innate rune, um, big, big theme in big B's runes. It, like set into magic items and mm-hmm. classes, subclasses, all very, very runic. Um, we talked about it before with like how we were hoping it was going to pair well with the rune fighter. Boy, were we not disappointed? <laughs> it pairs so well. <clears throat> the ring of Amity's rune is crazy. Absolutely nuts. You, um, to invoke the rune, when the bonded creature, the creature that you are bonded with, so it does have a bit of a limitation, when the bonded creature hits a target with an attack roll, you can use your reaction to invoke the ring's rune if you are within 60 feet of the bonded creature. The bonded creature's attack is then turned into a critical hit. Wow. Wow. Once the rune's invoked, it can't be invoked again until the next dawn. But that's just so strong.
0: It's a very powerful effect. Like, especially in a campaign setting where, like, your teamwork is tight, you know? Yeah. You know, if if those two party members have some good-ass communication and you set up for, you know, some extremely powerful, very creative hit, yeah. And you throw that on top of it.
1: <laughs> Especially like if you're dealing with um <clears throat> like I can think of two ways where that can get absolutely nutty. Mm-hmm. And the first way is if you are I'm kind of basing this off of like the person attuned to this ring is probably gonna be a barbarian, a fighter, someone who's gonna be in the front lines. Yep. Because that's someone that The spellcaster can kind of focus on and get healing to them. Sorry, the spellcaster, the healer can focus on them, get healing to them, and whoever else is bonded with them. If you bond with a rogue or a paladin Mm -hmm. to use the rune to give the rogue an automatic critical hit with their sneak attack damage. Or the paladin with their divine smite. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, that's so busted. Yeah. It's just nutty. But yeah, I mean, there's just, there's so many ways you can use this, this item. And it doesn't even have to be the fighter who's attuned to the ring. You can have someone in the back attuned to the ring and bond with the fighter or the barbarian or someone like that. It's just, it spreads healing so well. Mm -hmm. It just makes me so happy. And then the next one that I think pairs really well with it is called the Sanctum Amulet. Um, same rarity. It's very rare. It'll be purple in D&D Beyond. It is a pendant. <clears throat> um, while you are wearing this item, you have resistance to necrotic damage. Additionally, you can cast the Spare the Dying cantrip using either an action Or a bonus action. So I love that, first of all, because you can give it to someone that's not a healer. And you just automatically, no matter what, you have a backup. Yeah. If something goes wrong, if you lose your healer, someone knows spare the dying.
0: Yeah, that ability is extremely (laughs) powerful.
1: Yeah, it can get you out of a lot of really sticky situations. Mm -hmm. On top of that, this one also has a rune. Um, when a creature you can see within sixty feet of you is reduced to zero hit points as a result of taking damage, you can use your reaction to invoke the item's rune, causing the pendant to flash with pale light. The creature then drops instead to one hit point. God.
0: Yeah. Wow, dude.
1: Again, once that does it's a like, lot. Yeah. Again, once it's been invoked, it can't be invoked again until the next dawn. But like specifically having those two items. In the same party. Yeah. Makes combat so much less scary, I guess. Like, I don't know how else to really describe it, but like you can kind of just throw yourself into combat. Mm -hmm. It's just, I, I just love the synergy between them. I just think it brings a ton of variety to combat and it makes things a lot more strategic and it allows you to like really plan out what you want to do in terms of like being the most helpful to the other people in your party. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really, really cool to like kind of see items like this, especially for me thinking of them as like bowling bumpers for like (laughs) getting a party to like work with each other instead of just being six individuals in combat, hitting something really hard. (laughs) And then there's one other one, not uh not at all attached to those two. Just, I thought it was so freaking cool. Mm-hmm. And actually, um, going up in rarity to legendary, the shield of the blazing dreadnought. Okay. Which is just props for the naming wizards. Name, like yeah. so much of the names in, in this book are just so freaking cool. Shield of the blazing dreadnought modeled after, f- after the forbidden that again modeled after the formidable spiked tower shields wielded by some fire giants this iron shield emanates a constant warmth Mm -hmm. like for one just the visual image there right away an iron spiked tower shield like yeah yeah that's amazing so you've got a tower shield you can use a bonus action to activate the shield causing glowing lava To flow through the shield's grooves for one minute. And then while it's active, while that lava's flowing through the shield, you gain the following benefits. Blazing Soul. You have immunity to fire damage. Oh my god. Yeah, just right off the bat. It's just like, okay, you're a fire giant now. (laughs) (laughs) Cleansing Fire. As an action, you can cause the shield to flare with the cleansing fire of the god Surtur. Choose one creature you can see within 30 feet of yourself. You can choose yourself. One disease or condition of your choice affecting this creature ends immediately. The condition can be blinded, charmed, deafened, or poisoned. It's just... It's got such a good use.
0: Yeah. That's a lot of utility on one item.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then you can also do a shield bash. Bash. Shield bath. bash. <laughs> Big enough, you probably could take a bath in it. <laughs> when you take the attack action on your turn, you can replace one of your attacks with a shield bash, which, off the bat, amazing, because it does not take your entire action. Yeah. It, you replace one of your attacks, mm-hmm. which, like, if you're a fighter, you have, like, three, maybe four attacks a turn. It, like, if you're at higher levels... I love it. I'm, I'm so addicted yeah.
0: to Yeah, just combo into that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, You can replace one of your attacks with a shield bash, targeting one creature you can see within five feet of yourself. The target must make a strength saving throw. On a failed save, it takes 3d6 bludgeoning damage and 3d6 fire damage. Holy crap, man. And is knocked prone.
0: Okay, so combo out of it
1: yeah yeah on a successful save the target takes half as much damage only you can only use shield bash once per turn and once the shield Uh, has been activated it can't be activated again until the next dawn.
0: i mean dude but
1: that's once per turn yeah that's so often it's crazy because you activate it it's active for what a minute yeah one minute which is 10 rounds in combat Uh bonkers holy
0: crap what are the prerequisites for using this item? Be able to use shields. That's it? That's it. That's crazy, Well, because man.
1: D&D doesn't have different classifications of shields.
0: I know, but like, like some items have requirements, right?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are <laughs> items that like require they have to be attuned by a spellcaster, have to be attuned by a barbarian, have to be attuned by a ranger, whatever.
0: Yeah, it's just universally acceptable. Nothing. So it's just insane. pick up the shield
1: and attune to it. What the hell? It brings up a really interesting question though. Do you think D and D beyond or like D and D in general should have different classes of shield the same way that they do for weapons and armor?
0: I do. I do. I think that really just for tower shields though. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, just like a light
1: and heavy shield. Y- yeah.
0: Yeah. And I wouldn't throw many shields in the heavy shield category, no. you know, but this one certainly.
1: Yeah. Like this one should have a strength requirement at least. I would think so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause carrying around a tower shield to begin with is like a bit of a tall order to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, and also,
1: and also this one's like, I would think it's heavy as hell. Right? I mean, like, it is an iron tower shield. I would assume that's not going to weigh less than a hundred pounds. <laughs> <laughs> just absolutely insane. Yeah. And just like, yeah, like you said, the fact there there's no prerequisites. It's just, you can just pick it up and go. Obviously, it's legendary rarity. Mm-hmm. So it's like. The odds of you finding it are fairly low. Yeah. Unless you've got a really fucking cool DM. But I mean, it's just a phenomenal shield. There yeah. is literally no downside to using mm-hmm. it. The, the more items that you and I look at, the more
0: I think about um, using, a, using a rarity table. What do you mean by rarity table? Like, you know, use some kind of rarity roll system.
1: Oh, Oh, like, yeah, where you can, like, randomize, like, what rarity level, like, magic items are in the dungeon. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool.
0: Because I think think something like this just kind of popping up, you know, and being a surprise to the DM as well.
1: Oh, I see. It's kind of fun. Right. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, I've never thought about doing it that way because I'm always the kind of person that, like if we do a dungeon, I want to theme it and then I want to have magic items that fit the theme. That's the problem. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Immediately after I said that, I was like, I I would certainly end up retroactively coming up with a reason why something like that is there. Yeah. You know, the, the reason I am thinking this way is because I'm, I'm trying to counteract the, uh, part of my DM brain that naturally wants to, put this arbitrarily way later in a campaign. Mm. You know, just because it is strong as hell. Yeah. Um and like to be honest, you probably should. But I I I don't know. I don't know. Is that realistic, do you think?
1: I don't know. I mean it really kind of depends on it depends on the campaign. Yeah. And it depends on the DM and it depends on the group just battling over whether that's in the spirit of the game. I think anything is in the spirit of the game, as long as the DM and the players are on the same page. Like, I don't see any reason why having a legendary magic item at low levels would be a problem. Right. If it is something that's like discussed between the DM and the players and talked about, and the DM knows how to work around it to still make their, story events happen yeah but aside from just being absurdly powerful i don't see any reason why not to have like something like this shield in the early game yeah i think i think the requirement that me as a dm i would personally put in there would be they'd have to kill or outwit something very powerful i think that
0: sounds necessary to me
1: yeah because like a legendary rarity item is not just going to be laying somewhere. No. Someone or something is probably going to be guarding it. Yeah. But I mean, Hey, if they can somehow trick whatever it is, that's guarding it into like walking off a cliff or something absurd like that. like <laughs> Please cheese my dungeons. Yeah. I want to see it. <laughs> but yeah, there, there are so many more magic items to look through in this book too. Like I'm not even going to try to get into all of them because they're just insane. I could bring up maybe one more of my favorites just because it is like the face of the book. And it's one of the most powerful, like really creative things I've seen, mm-hmm. but I don't want to go much past that <clears throat> or I'm going to be here all night. <laughs> um, Bigby's beneficent bracelet. I stared at this for a long time, internet. Don't be mad at me. The way it is spelled on d and Beyond does not have the second I that would be required for it to be pronounced beneficent. I think it's beneficent Benef- or beneficent. That doesn't sound right. I don't know. Just don't hurt me. me. <laughs> Bigby's bracelet.
0: <laughs> beneficent.
1: Beneficent. Oh my gosh, I got it
0: you you got it (laughs) i got it
1: that's using your brain cell (laughs) but yeah uh crazy gold bangly um bracelet this is artifact rarity them's the brown ones them's the crazy stuff one minor uh, random beneficial property, one major random beneficial property, one minor random detrimental property. Some of the coolest stuff to have been created in all of Dungeons & Dragons. The beneficial properties and detrimental properties tables. Mm-hmm. I love it. So much fun. <clears throat> um, with this bracelet, while you're wearing the bracelet, you can cast Mage Hand. It's just it. It just gives you major. Great. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get force sculpture. Force sculpture. Force sculpture. By focusing and channeling the bracelet's magic for one minute, you can create a spectral copy of a large or smaller, non magical object. The copy appears in an unoccupied space within 10 feet of you, and it is made of tangible but translucent force. That mimics the size, weight, and other properties of the object it's copying. Oh, wow. The copy must appear on a surface or liquid that can support it. Creatures can touch and interact with the copy as if it were a non-magical item. The copy is immune to all damage and cannot be dispelled, but a disintegrate spell destroys it immediately. Oh! Otherwise, the copy disappears after eight hours. Or when you dismiss it as a bonus action, you can have up to three copies um, per day and then it recharges at dawn.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which, that's really, really creative. Yeah. I don't think we've ever had an item like this in D and D. It makes things so exciting. Cause uh-huh. like, imagine if like you're trying to escape a dungeon or something, or you're like running and something's chasing you if you can somehow slow it down for a full minute and then you copy like a boulder and put it in the middle of the path yeah. and you just go yeah. and there's just a boulder there for eight hours. Like it's just so cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There, that is so much potential. Yeah. Just a ton of stuff you could do with that. That's a very good role play ability.
1: Yeah. Now you want to hear the, uh, very good combat ability. Don't tell me. As an action, <laughs> you can use the bracelet to cast Big B's hand at ninth level. So that means it has a spell attack bonus of plus 13. When you cast the spell this way, it does not require concentration. Okay. Which is absolutely fucking bananas. That's cracked, bro. Yeah. Oh, man. Insanity. Once this property is used, it can't be used again until the next dawn, so... Once a day, but oh, man, because the craziest part about it, Bigby's hand is a fifth level spell naturally. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, let's take a look at how much damage it do normally. Clenched fist. Um, when you make a melee attack with the clenched hand, the target would normally take 4d8 force damage. That goes up by 2d8 for each spell level level above 5th. So, 4d8, we're looking at 6, 7, 8, 9. So, that would be 12d8 total for that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and, like, there are other um, ways you can damage stuff with the hand. There are other crazy things you can do, but, like, 12d8 damage... And you just have it up for like what? Yeah. A minute. So you can just whack people with the hand. Yeah, man. Yeah. I just, the, it wouldn't have been as absurd if it just cast Bigby's hand uh-huh. and like, Oh, you can do that a few times a day. I would have still looked at this item and gone. That's cool. Cause it's iconic. It's Bigby's bracelet. You cast Bigby's hand. Mm-hmm. Doesn't require concentration. You cannot have it. Ended before you get the full minute. And you can concentrate on something else, mm-hmm. too. If you are for whatever reason you give this to a cleric. Oh, my God. You can have Bigby's hand and a spiritual weapon.
0: Oh, my yeah. gosh. I want to. Then
1: you can action hit with Bigby's hand. Bonus action hit with spiritual weapon. Holy
0: crap. Jeez, you oh my gosh, the puppet master, dude.
1: Yeah, oh, that's such a cool name for it. <laughs> that would be sick.
0: That would be funny and awful to throw at a party.
1: Oh, that's mean. Just
0: some evil bastard who's gotten their hands on both of those.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be real mean. <laughs> i love it i love it so much this the way i envision
0: bigby's hand is uh d- did you ever play smash brothers brawl growing up i know you had melee
1: yeah i actually did not have melee oh, i had did, brawl
0: okay that was a, do
1: mm-hmm. you know the
0: isaac assist trophy
1: Oh, I don't remember many of the assist trophies, there's, okay, but there's, there's I might one, the one that just like sends it. a big hand across the stage. Yep. <laughs> I do remember that one. That's <laughs> exactly what I
0: think of every time I hear this spell mentioned.
1: Go away. <laughs> yeah. I just recently listened to one of the um, critical role one shots, the search for Bob. Okay. Um, which is the follow up to the search for Grog, but. There was a really fun creative use of Bigby's hand like at the very end of that one shot. Yeah, they were fighting like um, it was called the Dust Titan or something. Basically, this big like sandstorm elemental. Mm -hmm. And so if you got too close to it, it could like grab you and like shove you inside its body and you would take like piercing damage because it was a sandstorm. And so um, Sam playing Scanlan used Bigby's hand to push one of the other characters out of the oh, body. Oh wow. Yeah. That's cool. It was just like that's so much fun. Oh, that's like great. I love love the utility that Bigby's hand has. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> but yeah. Magic items go kind of crazy in this in this book. There are many more. Oh yeah. But that's also not all that it has. Obviously there's a lot of other new stuff. Yep. Is a
0: is a real big book um with one really big subclass.
1: Yes. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is the path of the giant for the barbarian. It's the only uh new subclass in- introduced in this book. The first ability you get through this subclass is giant's power. Um when you choose this path, you learn to speak, read, and write Giant or one other language of your choice if you already know Giant. Additionally, you can learn a cantrip of your choice between Druidcraft or Thaumaturgy. Oh! Uh, with Wisdom being your spellcasting ability. That's kind of cool. That's really interesting to me. Um,
1: it Yeah, it feels like almost counterintuitive to the class.
0: It uh, So I thought so at first, um, but after just like reading through this subclass a bit um it it became very clear to me that they're trying to uh evoke the elemental nature of giants
1: oh, okay and
0: that like when you think about how druidcraft is used that makes a lot of sense like that that was the one that was that was giving me trouble at first I'm like why why that one it's a very you know druid ability but it's also like a very giant ability just in the way they manipulate their environments
1: by yeah. existing. That's, That's fair. fair. Yeah. yeah, I I always forget about that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I it's it's a very D&D giant thing. I think the just the the magical nature of giants. Um but uh damn, I I like that mechanic a lot. I like that uh what am I trying to say? I like that characteristic of D&D giants a lot. Yeah. Mhm. Thaumaturgy made more sense to me because you can just Role play the shit out of that spell and make her make yourself imposing as hell
1: i was gonna say become loud yeah, exactly it's, <laughs> it's so cool yeah <laughs> very giant thing to do
0: yeah this characteristic is also shown well in giant's havoc uh specifically giant stature let me explain giant's havoc your rage pulls strength from the primal might of giants transforming you into a hulking force of destruction while raging, you gain the following benefits: being crushing throw. When you gain, when you make a successful ranged attack with a thrown weapon using strength, you can add your rage damage to the bonus of the attack's damage roll.
1: Oh, to the damage roll too. Your rage
0: damage bonus to the attack's damage roll. Yeah.
1: Oh, with oh yeah no, I'm sorry. Yeah, that makes sense with thrown weapons. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which will become more important in a little bit.
0: Uh, and then, of course, you rage, you grow big
1: become big you
0: become large
1: yeah that has been something that has been missing from barbarian ever since the word barbarian was yeah. uttered in a fantasy
0: game setting well and you and i were talking about this specific mechanic the other night the fact that it doesn't just say size larger it says large the size large yes you you become large specifically which means of course that if you combine this with an effect that does increase your size by one size that's a little silly yeah if you're something like a fairy
1: yeah fairy specifically oh my god guys like i know that there was an article on dnd beyond that talked about this and they mentioned the fairy thing fairies are small they're itty bitty boys and they can fly around, and they're small boys, but then they can rage and become large boys, still with wings. And I think they can just naturally, if I'm not mistaken, cast Enlarge Reduce, just by nature of being a fairy, which means they can go from small to large to huge. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of fucking hilarious when you think about
0: it. Yep. I like that ability a lot. I also really like Elemental Cleaver. This is yes. at sixth level. Your bond with the elemental might of giants grows, and you learn to infuse weapons with primordial energy. When you enter your rage, you can choose one weapon you're holding and infuse it with the following damage types acid, cold, fire, thunder, or lightning. While you wield the infused weapon with your rage, the weapon's damage type changes to the chosen type. It deals an extra 1d6 damage of this chosen type when it hits, and it gains the thrown property. Oh, shit. So, of course, that combines with our crushing throw from earlier, and you add your rage damage bonus to that attack damage roll. That's cool. Full circle. With a normal range of 20 feet and a long range of 60. Silly. Yeah,
1: that's pretty good.
0: If you throw the weapon, it reappears in your hand the instant after it hits or misses the target. The infused weapon's benefits are suppressed while a creature other than you wields it. Mm. While raging and holding the infused weapon, you can use a damage you can use a bonus action to change the infused weapon's current damage type to another one from the damage types above.
1: Oh, that's on cool. the fly. That is
0: really good utility. It's nuts. So this was also the point where i realized some developer has been playing a lot of god of war <laughs> this this is the kratos build
1: yeah it really is oh my god throwing a great axe yeah like uh,
0: that's exactly what's going on in that game. Yeah, all the time. see,
1: my mind immediately went to just like throwing a sword. Uh-huh. It's like, lol, great sword spear. But like You're a barbarian. It is exactly Kratos. Uh-huh. You're so right. Yeah. Oh my god. It's so it's so <laughs> sick, man. I love shit like this. Um I think the DMs should give inspiration if you refer to the rest of your party as exclusively boy or girl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs>
1: that's <was> good.
0: <laughs> I should practice that a bit. That's a hard voice to do. Oh my gosh, yeah. That's a that's a very talented voice actor.
1: Yeah, the guy who does Kratos, his voice is phenomenal. Ugh. Also, it doesn't help either that he looks like the physical embodiment of the Giga Chad memes. You
0: know, I haven't Seen a photo of this guy in a minute?
1: Oh, you're gonna freak out! Oh, Christopher Judge. That's right. <laughs> that jaw, dude. I know it's crazy. It's <laughs> it is the jaw. It it is the most jawiest jaw <laughs> of all times. <laughs> wow, man! Uh, Damn! What a legend! What a legend!
0: <clears throat> so. <laughs> We need to talk about Mighty Impel.
1: Mighty Impel? Which is
0: the feature the subclass gains at 10th level. Your connection to giant strength allows you to hurl both allies and enemies on the battlefield. What? As a bonus action, while raging, you can choose one medium or smaller creature within your reach and move it to an unoccupied space you can see within 30 feet of yourself. That's a long-ass throw. (laughs)
1: Eat people
0: that's a really long throw
1: <laughs> so uh, how does that work with throwing enemies like is it like just a willing creature or i mean it can't be a willing creature if you're throwing enemies an unwilling
0: creature must succeed on a strength saving throw to avoid the effect oh boy mm-hmm. oh that's kind of crazy yeah that uh That covers that. (laughs) If at the end of your movement, the thrown creature isn't on a surface or liquid that can support it, the creature falls, taking damage as normal and landing prone. That is so crazy. So do you know what dynamic immediately popped into my head when I read this? What? I thought about, I can't remember if you brought this up on the podcast in our last recording session or not, but I thought about roll with it.
1: I think we did talk about it okay. in, one, in one episode, yeah. Because okay. <laughs> we were talking about Ginkgo.
0: Yeah. So it, it's, it's a goblin feat from Pathfinder that we were talking about an episode or two ago mm-hmm. uh, in which you take damage and you can just, you know, roll with it. Uh, yeah,
1: you make um, acrobatics check. Yeah. And you just get yeeted instead of taking the damage. Yep.
0: <laughs> but then what I thought of was... Uh, there should be a way if you're, you know, a thrown ally to use your reaction to attack when thrown at an enemy. I, I, I don't know if you need like a mechanic for this. I think just at my table, I would let this happen.
1: You yeah, know? I think the mechanic that I would probably use for this would be the held action mechanic.
0: That is a good way to do that. Yeah. No, yeah. that is probably the way to do
1: that. Because like. If you don't know you're going to get thrown, you probably aren't going to be able to attack out That's of it. Right. But if you do know you're going to get thrown, you can hold your attack and be like, yeah, throw me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the one thing that I would like to do is if you do hold your action to attack out of being thrown by a giant, I would want there to be some kind of modifier to the damage.
0: I should think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, you know what I would do? Mm. I would just use, um, what was it called?
1: I would use crushing throw. Read that one for me again.
0: Uh, when you make a successful ranged attack with a thrown weapon using strength, you can add your rage damage bonus to the attacks damage roll.
1: That's fair. I would just do that. Yeah. And That's I would add really that to, way to do your Added. party
0: member's damage roll.
1: That's a really smart way to do that. Mm-hmm. That's sick. Now, granted, I think, I don't
0: know if this is overcomplicating it. I think if it misses, there's probably a little bit of drawback.
1: Well, I mean, what I would do, honestly, you mean like if the attack misses, that they just... Yeah. I would probably look at it as like, you just got chucked by a giant. You're probably going to take a little bit of bludgeoning damage when you hit. Mm -hmm. whatever it is you're going to hit yeah if you can manage to land an attack you will probably soften your landing to the point of not taking damage yeah
0: well if you're coordinated enough to land your attack you're going to be you're going to be fine
1: right right but like if you miss if something goes wrong whatever i would probably for me i would kind of determine it as like ball damage yes like i would maybe go with like I don't think I would say like 30 feet of fall damage. I would probably go with like maybe 20 I, feet? Maybe. I don't know exactly how that would work. I think
0: I would go with the minimum value.
1: Yeah, just like 1d6 yeah. bludgeoning damage. That's fair. Because mm-hmm. you you probably have not hit terminal velocity being right. thrown. Right, and you're also <laughs> not being
0: thrown from terribly high. Yeah. All things considered...
1: now if they throw you directly into a wall that's like less than 10 feet away from you there's that then I would say okay maybe like two or three then that's
0: a giant attack roll I think
1: yeah (laughs) yeah honestly what's craziest to me about that ability is being able to throw enemies with just a saving throw because like grapple is a contested check Mm mm-hmm but they don't make you do the contested check. It's just, just a saving, make that save. And if you don't, you're thrown. Uh huh. And that is the one, um, loophole to the whole thing of being able to move enemies with magic. You cannot put them on dangerous terrain with magic. Mm -hmm. You can't, it just won't let you, but if you throw them, you can throw someone into lava or throw them into a whirlpool or mm-hmm. like a tornado i don't know whatever might happen to be available to you at the time you can just throw someone into it Yep. yeah <laughs> ah yeah. oh, the positioning that you could do with that is a lot of potential of freaking there. cool yeah
0: yeah i was a. Uh, I was watching a video earlier lamenting how um or no i was reading an article it was a. Uh, from like 2015 um on just like some dude's blog it i wish i could remember what it was called but it was like kind of popular while 4E was relevant
1: Oh, um, okay.
0: lamenting like how often uh enemies just kind of become a punching bag when they're able to be surrounded um which was you know a an an issue for at, at least the writer at the time you know but stuff stuff like that where you know you have that kind of positional ability maybe exacerbates that
1: issue maybe but you also gotta consider that if your players are like if they tend toward grouping up on something and absolutely just like clumping For one, I'm going to say it's kind of your job as the DM to figure out a way for your monsters to take advantage of that Mm -hmm. or get around it somehow. Right. Like maybe if they have like a sweeping attack or something like that, that could hit like everybody. That'd be kind of cool. But also don't forget if the players have access to it, so does the DM. Yeah. You could have an enemy Path of the Giant Barbarian Mm -hmm. that can throw the players. Yeah which is really fun. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, the, the, the issue of like swarming onto an enemy is kind of just a tactical thing. And it also, in my opinion, means that you probably haven't shown your players enough danger.
0: Probably. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, Where I feel like to really combat that as a DM, you have to add on to what the monsters can initially do a little bit just based on their stat block. You got to start messing with them a little bit.
1: Yeah. I think because that's the thing. There are so many DMS out there who I don't think quite understand the stat blocks that are in the monster manual and in like the player's handbook, whatever, wherever they may be. Those stat blocks are great. But they're not meant to be the only iteration of those monsters, those creatures, whatever they may be. You're the DM. You get to make them whatever you want, whatever fits your world, your setting, whatever fits what needs to happen with your party. Take that stat block and run with it. I think
0: that's kind of the issue, though, is like that's necessary. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you kind of have to add stuff if you want to challenge your party with a good deal of the monster manual.
1: Yeah. That's why like the challenge rating system has always kind of confused me. I've never really figured out how to make like a fully balanced encounter just by grabbing monster stat blocks from the monster manual. It's just, it's, it's never quite, made sense to me because I've had so many characters in my campaigns that have been in no way is this derogatory glass cannons. Sure. Very high damage output, very low protection and hit points. Mm -hmm. And so if I just go a little bit above and grab a higher CR monster so that it can tank all of the damage that my players are dealing it's going to deal enough damage to possibly two or three shot Some of them, mm-hmm. which is kind of freaking scary. And as a DM, I didn't want this one to be a TPK, so I don't really want to use that monster. Yeah. But then, I mean, my usual default option is to take a monster with less damage output and just beef up that hit point number.
0: Yeah, maybe, <clears throat> um, I don't know. I, uh, in, in that campaign I was talking about a couple episodes ago where I was playing the, um, (laughs) the, the Vidalkin cleric. Yeah. Um, we were, our party was put up against a young black dragon Mm. and it was easy because (laughs) we, uh, we got a little lucky. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But we managed to like kind of stun lock it
1: mm.
0: uh, for like two or three turns. Wow. And that was enough to, you know, surround it and just do some unbelievable damage. Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> uh, summon a summon a shark. <laughs> <That> kind of helped. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I digress. Uh, but that, that was, that was an instance of like, you know, a very, very powerful monster, all things considered, uh, being, being brought down by just a mob.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of where the whole thing comes in where, uh, people have said before the dice tell a story and we've talked about that before. I think Mm -hmm. honestly, we probably, I think I said that in the last session, sometimes the DM just rolls like shit. <clears throat> and you manage to absolutely destroy a monster. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the DM rolls like a god, and it's borderline TPK. Like, I don't think that my strategy of adding hit points to a monster is the correct one. I think it is the one that was the safest play for me at the current time. Sure,
0: yeah, it was a it was a Band-Aid fix.
1: Yeah, it, it really is. And I think that the encounter balancing is probably the hardest thing for me as a DM. That is something that I have not figured out yet. And it's, it's not a matter of like, Oh, you just need to do more research. You just need to like, know your players better, know your party better. It's just combat is severely unpredictable. Yeah. Especially in campaigns where you have a lot of people that are focused on Damage a couple people that are focused on utility, but we don't really have thinking specifically of my current campaign that I'm running. We don't really have a designated healer, right? Like we, your character can heal, Mm -hmm. but he's a druid. So it's like, yes, there's cure wounds in there. Yes. There's some other healing spells, but that's not your job in combat and it shouldn't have to be. And so it kind of comes down to how much damage can I throw at you guys before it becomes overwhelming? Yeah. It kind of comes down to that. And just like, you guys are going to do a ton of damage because we've got a barbarian, we've got a monk and we've got artificer and a sorcerer and a druid, Mm -hmm. which is all really cool. But the it healing requires us to be extremely resourceful. Yeah, yeah, you guys have to like really pay attention and be careful and it's great. It's super strategic. It's super cool seeing all the fun utility stuff that you guys have. But without a designated healer, it just complicates things and it means that combats are going to go really fast in one direction or the other.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have gone on hella tangents this episode yeah, and that's not the worst thing ever. <laughs> uh but I want to I want to talk about the last couple things in this in this subclass here before we wrap. Yeah. Um, Demiurgic Colossus is what you get at 14th level. The primordial power of your rage intensifies. When you rage, your reach, ex- your reach increases by 10 feet. Your size can increase to large or huge. Oh, man. And you can use your mighty impel to move creatures that are large or smaller. That's crazy. And there is no specification about whether that... Uh throw distance changes or any change to the saving throw. Just the same shit. Hmm. Throw a large creature 30 feet? Whew, why not? <laughs> In addition, the extra damage dealt by your elemental cleaver feature increases to two d6. That's awesome. What a cool subclass. Yeah. (laughs) This is, uh, this just rounds it out
1: to something truly insane. Uh huh. That's so much fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You just, you just become a giant, a a somewhat small giant. Yeah. But like a a stunted giant, but (laughs) (laughs) stunted, you know, cracked out giant. By the time you reach 14th level,
1: That's a 14? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is powerful as hell, you know? Yeah, I missed that. I thought you said, like, 17. Holy crap. Yeah. Oh, man, that goes crazy fast. Yep. Yep, it's a snowball of a class. (laughs) Um, I was expecting that to be, like, the big one. I mean, that's the last one. Oh, that's the last? Okay. Oh, yeah, because I think you get, like, regular class abilities after that. I think that level fourteen is the last level you get subclass abilities yes. from barbarian. Yeah, that's still insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> still insane. That's making me want to run a like a purely Viking themed campaign. This
0: would be great in something like that.
1: Yeah, because you've got rune carver for fighter. You've uh-huh. got this for barbarian. Yeah, I think you could almost argue for any of the bard subclasses for like a scald uh-huh. like the the warrior bards there's a ton of options for that and there's a bunch of new yeah. items
0: i want you to watch vinland saga this is
1: oh i want to watch it so bad <laughs> this is dude. basically
0: one of my favorite characters in that show <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah vinland saga and um legend of ragnarok yes. have some really cool stuff like yeah. this talking about these new feats Also necessitates me mentioning the two new backgrounds Mm -hmm. that came with this. Which are really cool because the new backgrounds give you a feat when you choose the background. Mm -hmm. In order to balance this, um, the book said, hey, by the way, like if you're going to let one of your players use one of these two new feats or one of these two new backgrounds because they give you a feat you should let all your other characters take a feat as well as part of their background feat of their choice yeah but the two backgrounds that are new are giant foundling and rune carver so giant foundling is extremely thematic Though you are not a giant, you grew up among giants. Maybe you were an orphan taken in by a sympathetic family of giants, or perhaps you lived in like a lost prehistoric pocket of the world, surrounded by giants and fearsome behemoths or hulking dinosaurs like so much flavor. And this is all just what they wrote down. Um, but yeah, something about your environment, your, um, vicinity to the giants, you kind of absorbed some of that elemental energy. Like you were talking about with the subclass, very elementally themed Mm -hmm. in this book, which is so cool. Um, giant foundling, you gain skill proficiencies, you gain intimidation and survival as skills, which honestly chef's kiss. Yeah, that rocks. It's just, that's exactly what you would get from being a giant. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you also learn the giant language and one other language of your choice. Um, and then there's just all the flavor there, whatever, but the giant foundling background grants you the feat strike of the giants, which is really cool. Um, let me pull that one. up. So strike of the giants has a few options. Because the whole idea of it is that when you, um, once per turn, when you hit with a melee weapon attack or a ranged weapon attack using a thrown weapon specifically, you can imbue the attack with an additional effect based on whatever type of giant you kind of absorbed the power from. So there is Cloud Strike. The target takes an extra 1d4 thunder damage. If the target is a creature, it must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or you become invisible to it until the start of your next turn or until immediately after you make an attack roll or cast a spell. I was not expecting that one. Like I was I I heard Strike of the Giants and I was like, oh, cool. We're going to get like some cool elemental effects, you know, a little extra fire damage, a little extra lightning damage. Maybe we will knock something prone. Was not expecting to become invisible to something. Yeah,
0: that's, that's a choice.
1: (laughs) It's so cool. And I mean, it's once per turn, so it's not crazy broken. And it just acts the same way that like invisibility does where if if you have multiple attacks per turn. If you use it on the first attack and you succeed and then you attack them again, you're no longer invisible to them. Mm -hmm. But if you wait until like your last attack. And they succeed on the save and you're not turned invisible to them. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of situations where it doesn't quite get you to like a broken state of combat. Yeah. It's just really cool. And it's great utility. Um, then there is fire strike which is very self-explanatory, you just take an extra 1d10 fire damage on top of your attacks. No additional effect, just a much larger damage dice on that one. Frost Strike. The target takes an extra 1d6 cold damage. Uh, If it's a creature, it must make a con saving throw, or its speed is reduced to zero until the start of your next turn. Honestly, I think that one's more powerful than the invisibility one. Reducing something's speed to zero until the start of your next turn, not its next turn, your next turn, means it can't go nowhere. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, and that being something
0: you can just throw out every turn Yeah, and force that saving throw? Crazy. Really, really crazy, actually.
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know if this is a feat that you can take more than once. Because there are some feats that you can take more than once. That's a good point. If you could take this more than once and acquire multiple of these effects. No way, bro. Each of them triggering once per turn. If you are playing something like a rune knight fighter, high level, you get to like three or four attacks per turn. You could be consistently pumping out extra damage and bonus effects. Okay, let's revisit this concept when we get to the end of the list here. Yeah, you're right, you're right. (laughs) Um, Frost Strike I just did. Hill Strike. Uh, Target takes an extra 1d6 damage of whatever the weapon's original damage type is. So, bludgeoning, piercing, slash. Mm -hmm. If the target is a creature, it must succeed on a strength save or be knocked prone. Self-explanatory. Kind of one of the more expected effects from a giant attack. Yeah. Stone strike. Target takes an extra one D six force damage. If it's a creature, it must succeed on a strength save or be pushed 10 feet from you in a straight line. I like that. Yeah. Very, very fun one. That's one of my favorite effects. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Pushing people in combat is so fun. It's like, "Eh, go away. (laughs) Um, and then the last one is storm strike target takes an extra 1d6 lightning damage if the target's a creature it must succeed on a constitution saving throw or it has disadvantage on all attack rolls until the start of your next turn which is really cool but yeah um oh here it is at the bottom there is a stipulation you can use this feat a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest okay so it's not unlimited on every okay. turn, which kind of balances it a little bit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Take
1: a drink. I was going to
0: say that would be really, really nuts if you had that just full uptime. Honestly, proficiency bonuses can get pretty high.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. If you get up, like I was saying before with the fighter, if you get up to like high levels to have three or four attacks per action, your proficiency bonus is probably either plus five or plus six. Mm hmm. So, you still get a decent amount of uses out of this. <clears throat> um, crazy thing about Strike of the Giants, every single one of those different types of strikes that I just listed has its own follow-up feat. What? Yeah. So, really. It has Strike of the Giants as a prerequisite feat.
0: Oh my god.
1: Yeah. But then um there is Ember of the Fire Giant. <clears throat> Prerequisite, 4th level, and Strike of the Giants, Fire Strike. Uh-huh. You've manifested the fiery combat, emblematic of Fire Giants, granting you the following benefits. I read that sentence really weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, ability score increase. Increase your strength, constitution, or wisdom by 1 to a maximum of 20. Born of Flame, you have resistance to fire damage. Searing Ignition. When you take the attack action on your turn, you can replace a single attack with a magical burst of flame. Each creature of your choice in a 15-foot radius sphere centered on you must make a dexterity saving throw. On a failed save, a creature takes fire damage equal to 1d8 plus your proficiency bonus, and it has the blinded condition until the start of your next turn. On a successful save, the target takes half damage only. You can use searing ignition a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus but no more than once per turn and you regain all expended uses on a long rest. So is this just an
0: extension of fire strike? Like does by that I mean does
1: that um does it replace the fire strike thing?
0: Well, that and does it uh use the same resource consumption? Or is it a different one?
1: I think it's a different one. Because it specifically states you can use searing ignition a number of times. You're right. You are right. So you can use your fire strike, (laughs) and you can use your searing ignition.
0: And they operate in it independently of each other,
1: for sure. Yeah. And there's one of those for every strike style. This
0: is fun. (laughs) Yeah, for the
1: frost giant one, you gain resistance to cold damage and um you do a blast of ice Uh, but it's cool thing about the frost giant it is a reactionary blast device so it's when you get hit by an attack roll you can use your reaction to retaliate with a conjured blast device um they have to make a con save if they fail they take damage equal to 1d8 plus your proficiency bonus and speed is reduced to zero until the end of its next turn um Same thing. You can use this number time equal to your proficiency bonus. Regain all uses on a long rest. So yeah, that one is a reactionary thing as opposed to being like replacing an attack. Yeah. Which I think is absolutely bananas. Mm -hmm. Again, just as a reaction, if something hits you, you can reduce its speed to zero. Yeah. If they fail a save. Kind of crazy. Um, Cloud Giant, uh, Guile of the Cloud Giant is what it's called. You get another um, ability score increase. When a... Yeah, Cloudy Escape. When a creature you can see hits you with an attack roll, you can use your reaction to give yourself resistance to that attack's damage. You then teleport to an unoccupied space that you can see within 30 feet of you. And you can use that a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. So you just get a free, like... Half damage on an attack and teleport 30 feet away. Which is... oh my gosh. The utility, I'm going crazy with how much you can affect combat now. Uh-huh. There's so much more to do than damage. There
0: is a lot of... There's a lot of stuff related to cloud giants in this book, just absolutely my shit. Like, very, yeah. very movement-based. You yeah. know what I
1: mean? And my favorite part about it, this is not spells. It's not... No! No, that is the best part. Yeah, you, you're you not relying on a spellcaster uh-huh. to give you utility. It's just innate abilities. Makes me so freaking happy. Very, very cool. Yeah. Um, And the next one here, keenness of the stone giant. Again, ability score increase. And then you gain dark vision to a range of 60 feet. If you already have dark vision, its range increases by 60 feet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that can be really far. Yeah, that can be super far. Oh, wow. <clears throat> you also get stone throw. As a bonus action, you can take a rock and make a magical attack with it. The attack is a ranged spell attack with a range of 60 feet that uses the ability score you increased with this feat as its spell casting ability. On a hit, the rock deals 1d10 force damage and the target must make a strength save or be knocked prone. Um, then my personal favorite one, soul of the storm giant, uh, you get the ability score increase and you get maelstrom aura as a bonus action. You surround yourself with an aura of magical wind and lightning that extends 10 feet from you in every direction, but not through total cover. The aura lasts until the start of your next turn or until you are incapacitated. While the aura is active, you have resistance to lightning and thunder damage. In addition, attack rolls against you have disadvantage, and whenever another creature starts its turn within the aura, you can force the creature to make a strength save, and if they fail, their speed is halved until the start of its next turn. Mm-hmm. And you can use the bonus action a number of times equal to your proficiency. Blah, 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 I thought that was probably the coolest out of all of them. Mm-hmm. I love just how much that one does. Yeah. Like, it doesn't last very long. It's not like a paladin aura. It's not like the barbarian um, path of the land, whatever it was, that you get, like, all the rage auras. It's a very minor thing. It does. It's It only lasts for one round but it's so cool you get resistances you can have someone's damage or um speed so freaking fun um last one with that is vigor of the hill giant um ability score increase and then bulwark when you are subjected to an effect that would move you at least five feet or give you the prone condition you can use your reaction to steady yourself you are not moved, and you do not have the prone condition. <laughs> and the funniest one. This one also gives you Iron Stomach. Whenever you eat food as part of a short rest and spend one or more hit dice to regain hit points, you regain additional hit points equal to your Constitution modifier plus your Proficiency mm-hmm. modifier. Just eat more food, get more health. <laughs> it's just so fun. Yeah. But yeah, so that's the, uh, that's the strike of the giants one. Um, the other one is rune shaper, which is part of the other background. Uh, rune carver rune carver background is basically like a wizard for non spell mm-hmm. magical effects. You just learned how to use runes and like how to emulate giants You gain proficiency in history and perception, which I think is really cool because you are essentially like an Mm archaeologist or an anthropologist studying giants. Super fun. Um, And it gives you the Rune Carver feat, which the Rune Carver feat lets you cast Comprehend Languages once per long rest. Or if you are a spellcaster, rune shaper feet. Yes, thank you. Rune shaper feet lets you cast comprehend languages once per long rest for free. If you're a spellcaster, you can use any of your spell slots to cast it again. Not bad. Also gives you rune magic. You know a number of runes equal to half your proficiency bonus, rounded down, um, chosen from the rune spells table. Whenever you finish a long rest, you can inscribe each rune that you know onto one non-magical weapon, armor, piece of clothing, or other object that you touch. You temporarily learn the first level spells that correspond to the runes you inscribed, as specified on the table, and you know those spells until you finish a long rest when the runes fade. While you are wearing or carrying any rune marked object, you can cast the spells associated with those runes using any spell slots you have. You can also invoke the runes um, and cast its associated spell without expending a spell slot or using material components. Once you cast the spell that way, you can't do so again until you finish a long rest and re-inscribe the runes. Your spellcasting ability for this feat is Intelligence, Wisdom, or Charisma. You choose when you select the feat. Um, Each time you gain a level, you can replace one of the runes you know with a different one. So this one doesn't have the follow-up feats that Strike of the Giants does because it kind of stacks on itself as you level and you get stronger. But the runes are actually kind of cool, and the spells that they cast are good spells. The Cloud Rune casts Fog Cloud. Makes sense. Death Rune casts Inflict Wounds. Dragon Rune casts Chromatic Orb. Enemy Rune casts Disguise Self. Fire Rune casts Burning Hands. Friend Rune casts Speak with Animals. Frost Rune casts Armor of Agathis, which is a woefully underutilized spell. I love that one. The Hill Rune casts Goodberry. The Journey Rune casts Longstrider. The King Rune casts Command. Mountain Rune casts Entangle. Stone rune casts sanctuary and storm rune casts thunder wave. So it just adds to your spell list. It, it gives you more utility. Can you
0: also, you can have this feat without being a caster, right? Oh yeah. 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 Cause so this is one of my favorite things is the ability. I meant to bring this up actually with the, the subclass earlier, mm-hmm. uh, in where, where it gives you, you know, access to either Thaumaturgy or Druidcraft. Yeah. I love things, features like that and feats like Rune Shaper that just give you a spell or two innately. You just know it. It's yeah. a part of you, you
1: know? So there's also, there's the like shadow touched and fay touched feats. Uh-huh. And they do that of that same thing yeah
0: i love this kind of stuff and i just i i always want more of it it's just i don't know everyone having access to like a little bit of magic is extremely fun to me
1: i was gonna say the exact same thing it's like yeah you can come in you can play your true like purebred level 20 fighter that all you do is hold sword hold shield hit hard and protect Mm -hmm. and that's cool if that's the power fantasy you're going for more power to you. I am more than happy to have you at my table and all of our spellcasters appreciate the crap out of you. But if I'm going to play, I don't want to not have any magic or any magical abilities. Right. The like I want to be able to do something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's just good. It's good theming. It's good archetype building. And it's good role play, too. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the... <laughs> The ability to just be the Goodberry guy yeah, is very funny to I me. I love that. Yeah.
1: That's literally my, I know we've talked about him before, my character in right now in uh, one of Sophia's campaigns. It's so true. He's a druid. And he has Goodberry. Yeah. And he just, like, part of his whole thing is the kid doesn't have a job. He yeah. doesn't really make any money. And so he will go to an inn and be like, yo, can I do some chores in exchange for letting mm-hmm. me sleep here? And then he just makes himself some good berries and yeah. that's his dinner.
0: Yeah. Stuff like this is also really nice in uh, campaigns where nobody has really picked a caster class. Yeah. But if you just have a smattering of something here and there, like it can, it can really get you by and it can go a long way. I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can, you don't necessarily need to have a caster. If you have utility abilities yeah. on other characters. And I mean, obviously having a dedicated spellcaster is nice because they're very powerful. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you, like you were saying, like there's enough on this list that you can get by. You can make things happen. Yeah. It's just,
0: uh, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. More of this, more <laughs> of all of this. I want to use Rune shaper.
1: Yeah, I know. Somehow literally i like as soon as i read through these feats i was racking my brain i was like uh-huh. who can i put strike of the giants on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally
0: oh man you're gonna have me thinking about that uh, yeah does, I, a,
1: does a specific character come to mind that you would want to interpret well, that, that's the
0: thing I'm, I'm thinking of all three of mine that i i'm currently rolling with at the moment and i'm not sure i'm not sure who's a best fit for either of these so i'm gonna i'm gonna have to revisit that at some point in the future uh, and bring it up with the relevant DM.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was going to say, as the relevant DM, uh-huh. I think that Oz could actually get some decent use out of runes.
0: I could see that, and it would fit his background a little bit. Yeah.
1: All right. That'd be kind of cool. We'll have to talk he's, about this. He's, uh, yeah, Oz is your Earth Genasi. Yep. Earth Genasi druid. hmm Very, very nature-based. Very, oh, man. We might, we might be throwing Rune Shaper on him. You got me thinking, brother.
0: <laughs> we'll have to see. I know, right? Oh, man. Anyway, I man, I wish we could get through a whole source book in one episode. Oh, there's no way that's ever going to happen. <laughs>
1: we're not even going to get through one in ten, I think. No, I don't think we're even going to be able to tackle everything that's in Big B's. No. Like, I love it, but you guys really just got to read it for yourselves no matter how that needs to happen, just check it out. It is such a good read. It's so much fun and it brings so much utility to to your table. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh,
0: you know, there, there is a lot of controversy surrounding this book at the moment. And, uh, to that end, I can understand not totally desiring to buy it. And you yeah. know what? Uh, you're morally in the right with that. <laughs> in yeah. my opinion.
1: Yeah, uh, but we, you should
0: read it by any means necessary.
1: <laughs> we are not uh we're not recommending using any sort of illicit site or b- like backdoor access to some digital form of the media such as a PDF or anything that may be available anywhere on any other websites. Don't do that. That would be bad. Evil, even. hmm
0: But not as evil as Wizards of the Coast. Thank you so much for watching. Send your homebrew to add someone greater on Twitter or somegreaterpod at gmail.com. I want to read it before we get taken down by the Pinkertons.
1: <laughs> They're going to show up to our door. <laughs> Bye!